Welcome to the Law Firm Accounting and Tax Podcast, powered by Jetro. Each week, we bring extremely valuable accounting and tax tips specific to law firm owners. You will be on your way to growing your practice and putting more money in your pockets. Here's your host. Hello and welcome back. I am your host, Mike Jezoshek, and I'm a CPA and founder over at Jetro, which is an innovative accounting firm servicing small business owners across the country. Today's episode, we have a special guest, Paul Bosley from the Business Finance Depot. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Pretty good. How you doing, Mike? Excellent. I'm glad to have you on. It's kind of funny. We were talking pre, pre-recording and um, we're trying to figure out exactly where we met. And it was actually at the, the Association of Fitness Studios Succeed Conference back in in April is their first annual. So it's always, you know, we're all, we live such busy lives. It's always interesting to see, um, try to trace back uh, nine months later, how did we actually meet in the first place? But, um, so to get started, we're just gonna go through our quick fire questions, learn a little bit more um, about your background, where you're coming from. So first question, Paul, why do you do what you do? Uh, to earn a living for starters. Uh, company from a uh, kitchen table. I've been in the fitness industry financing equipment for, uh, I don't know, maybe 20, 15, 20 years. I've been in the industry for 46 years. So I, I wanted to stay in the fitness industry without actually running a club. So I ended up morphing into the finance side. Got it. Makes sense. What's one ritual that helps you become better at what you do? I haven't missed a fitness trade show in probably 20 years. I be I go to Ursa Club Industry and Athletic Business so I'm and I read the magazine so I know what's going on in the industry. That's great. Um, what's an app or system that you use to stay in control of your workload? I use Outlook. I use Outlook a lot like most people use Salesforce. Uh, I use the task function functions to set up reminders and it works well for me. Okay. What's one book, podcast, or blog that you would recommend? I read the Wall Street Journal every day. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's business and it's national and international news, so I stay in touch that way. Awesome. And finally, what topic, or what's kind of going to be the main focus of the topic that we're going to be talking about today um, for your, for your uh, interview? Uh, financing small business. Okay. Well, that starts that. Uh, Paul, give the audience just a little background. Kind of, I know you mentioned been in the fitness industry for a while, wanted to get into the finance side, but give the audience a little background about where you come from, what you're doing now, kind of where you're going, what type of businesses are ideal for you, what type of businesses you're working with on a regular basis. We are in three industries. We're in the fitness industry, the franchise industry and the campground and RV park industry. So we're very active in all three industries. We're well known through the associations and through a lot of the marketing that we do. And the products that we offer are, we package all different types of SBA loans and there's different types. We package equipment leases, which there's again, all different types, any type of equipment you need to operate. And then there's some alternate financing sources that we offer. Okay. And so, you know, when you, you mentioned fitness and, and we kind of talked about that as well. Um, but the franchise piece, do you work with franchises in 
all sorts of different industries? Is it people just starting out? Is it people that already have a location, already have a franchise set up? What's that typically look like? Well, all the franchisors uh, that we work with are in, in, in all different industries. You know, we have companies like United Franchise Group that their oldest brand is Signorama, which is the biggest sign making franchise in the country. We work with Massage Envy, which is, uh, you know, the biggest massage company in the industry. So there's all different types, Big V Coffees, like a Starbucks type of uh, coffee franchise. So we primarily work with the new franchisees. That's where the franchisors need the most help. Okay. Uh, securing financing when you're an existing company is a lot simpler than it is when you're trying to launch a new business. Yep. Got it. So, you know, st- kind of on that idea of financing, what are some of the types of financing that are available for, for businesses as you know, whether you're established or just starting out? The most common is SBA loans. That's a government bank loan. Um, like I said, there's different types of them, but the, that's the most common loan because the lenders, there's many of them nationally. Some of them are very large companies that people know like Wells or Chase or uh, Bank America, which have branches all over the country. But most of the SBA lenders are actually non-banks that are uh, either banks or publicly traded companies that do SBA loans. So there's different types of loans and very a lot of lenders. And the reason it's the most common is because a percentage of the loan is backed by the federal government in the event of a default. Okay. And so is there a certain, you know, when you're trying to get an SBA loan, what are some of the parameters? Do you have to have a certain net worth to begin with? Is it, um, you know, what are some of the qualifiers to, to get a loan like that? There's probably four or five main qualifiers, I'd say. The first is your bio. Are you, uh, did you invest enough in yourself, whether it's your education or your work experience or certifications to make a lender feel comfortable with you? Uh, that's probably number one. The second would be your credit score, which again is kind of a direct reflection on how you are at paying your own personal bills. Because if you're financing a new business, there's no business credit, but at least they can take a hard look at your personal credit. Uh, the third would be your equity injection. Uh, no lender is going to finance 100% of the project, so you got to have, quote-unquote, skin in the game. Most common is probably somewhere in the range of 15 to 30% of the total project cost. So you have to have liquid assets to be able to do that. Or you could have a gift from a parent or possibly partners that are investors, but in the end there's got to be an equity injection. Okay. And then depending on the loan amount, uh, the collateral for the loan is the business. And in many cases, the person's uh, private assets, you know, it could be real estate, could be a number of different things, but those are your four major things, your bio, your credit, your equity injection and your collateral. Okay. And you know, you kind of mentioned the, the amount of the loan, um, what is the typical amount of a loan? Is there, is there a max? Is there a minimum when you're talking about an SBA type loan? SBA loans, depending on the, the type, could range from 25,000 up to five, basically up to 5 million, up to 10 million, really. There's, 
There's three main types of loans. There are two main, actually. One is the SBA 7A loan, which is subdivided into what's called the Small Loan Advantage Program, which is loans from $25,000 up to $350,000. And then the 7A traditional program goes from three fifty dollars up to $5 million. And then you have the 504 loan, which is a kind of a loan set up for real estate purchases when you're uh, going to occupy the majority of the space, and that goes up to $10 million. So actually, the range, depending on the loan type, can go from 25000 up to $10 million. Okay. Oh, that's great. Um, and, and, you know, the listeners on our show, you know, we, we, we work with businesses. Most of our listeners are coming from a business background, whether they're just starting or been established for a while. Um, but we often talk to a lot of people are saying, hey, Mike, I'm just starting out. I know nothing about bookkeeping, know nothing about taxes, and that's why they're here. <laughs> And so someone that is just kind of starting out, how is financing a startup business different from just a business acquisition? A business acquisition actually can only be financed with one product, the SBA 7A loan. Uh, The main difference, the two main differences are your deposit is 10%, so it's less. So you're financing 90% of the purchase and you can add to the purchase price things like, you know, working capital or maybe you're going to do some improvements after you buy the business. So you can take the the purchase price and add things to it uh, so that the total project would then be uh, 90% financed by the lender and 10% financed by the person's equity injection. Um, The second major thing is if you're buying a business, the business price, the price that you agree on has to be supported by a business valuation, which is done in the process of underwriting to protect the buyer and the borrower and the bank. So uh, if the business valuation, which is done by a CPA that specializes in business valuations, supports the, the sales price, then the loan is approved. If the business valuation does not support the sales price, the seller has two choices, walk away or lower their price. Okay. And so, you know, I feel like a lot of times when you're, when you're talking about someone selling a business, they want to get the world for it. And obviously the buyer wants to pay as least amount as possible. But when you're talking about those valuations, how often are, those, are you seeing those come in where they're not matching? The valuation is lower than the purchase price or something like that. And then what are the workarounds? You, you, you either lower the purchase price or inject capital to get up to that amount needed. But how, what, how often do you see that happen when the valuation comes in less than the purchase price? Quite a bit, actually. Because like you said, people um, tend to overvalue the business and, and the people that are buying it don't know what the valuation is going to come in at. That's why the valuation is done. There is no workaround. The only, the only workaround is the seller walks away or they lower the price because the bank's not going to finance something that the buyer's overpaying. So, um, you know, in principle, uh, I would say that what, what we do with our clients is when we know that we're dealing with a, what's called a BIZAC, a business acquisition, we tell them to tell the buyer or the seller right up front that this is the case because if they're not willing to go down that road, where they're willing to either lower their price or walk away, then there's no sense of getting involved with this. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, let's say you, you, you have a business valuation that comes in at a hundred, hundred thousand, just easy numbers. 
and the purchase price was $120,000. Could they inject more capital or find a partner for that additional $20,000 to make the deal work? Or is it basically a walk or nothing type situation? It's, it's drop the price or uh, walk away. Got it. Um, so for, th for that person that is, you know, doing a startup or first time business owner that is, is looking for financing, what are some of the steps that they should take ahead of time to plan for um, when applying for that financing? Uh, pull their credit on Experian.com. Uh, if it's 700 or more, they probably would be okay. If it's less than 700, work on your credit. Okay. Uh, pull the credit of anybody that's going to be a partner over 20%. Same idea. Uh, either work on their credit or take them out. You can, if you have partners that don't have good credit, they can have 10 or 15%, but they can't have 20 or more. Uh, so that's probably the number one thing. Second thing probably would be uh, to put together a personal financial statement so that you start to really get your arms around what your assets and liabilities and net worth are. Those are probably the two biggest things. Okay. Um, and, you know, you kind of mentioned at the beginning, um, you, you know, I, th I think there's a lot, there's a lot of misbelief that uh, in order to get business financing, you have to have an established business. So you have to have this big business background. Um, but it sounds like that's not necessarily the case. As long as that you have some capital that you can contribute or at least um, have some skin in the game, as you mentioned, or have a partner that's financing it, you don't, you don't need to have prior business established in order to get financing and things like that. Um, is that correct? Yeah, I'd say that's fair to say. The, that's why franchising is such a, a big industry because if you were, let's just say you were going to launch a, a new CPA firm, you know, obviously you've got your, your, your degree and, you know, you've got all that behind you. But if it's a privately held CPA firm, then they're going to want to see a business plan and a long, you know, detailed explanation. You know, let's call it 20 pages of who your competition is, how you're going to bring in your market, what your financial projections are, uh, you know, what your personal background is, you know, whatever information that you have for uh, any commitments you made for location, stuff like that. So it's very different when you're going to do that as opposed to let's just say you were going to, as a CPA, you were going to buy a franchise, a number of franchises out there for, you know, tax preparation, as an example, like an H&R yes. block or something like that. In that situation, you've got the background, but you're going to buy a, an existing business that, you know, an existing franchise that is not, not buy a franchise, but I mean, launch a new franchise that's, from a proven track record where you have support and, and, a, and you have a whole system to follow where uh, as opposed to doing it yourself. So it's, as a startup, it's easier to get financing for a franchise as opposed to getting financing for somebody that's just going to try to hang a shingle. Yeah. And that just makes complete sense. You know, how many businesses do you see start up and fall off? Um, but you know, you don't see franchises pop up and down all over the place on a regular basis, at least in comparison to what you would find in a business. So um, that makes complete sense. And they already have that business, um, you know, the business plan built up because the franchise kind of develops all that with them. Um, 
you know, the, the franchise thing is always intriguing to me. You know, we have a couple clients that are in the franchise space. Um, and it's really, you know, the, the dynamics and background of it is, is really interesting. Uh, just on a personal note, if it's something you're willing to share, what's, you know, some of the franchises that you've worked with, what, which ones have you seen be most successful? Obviously, you know, it depends on, on the business owner and things, but what are some of the most enjoyable franchises that you've seen, at least in that getting started, getting going phase? Well, with the, with all franchises, franchisors have to create and register a federal disclosure document with the federal government, as well as every state they're going to sell the franchise. And within the FTD, it's called the federal disclosure document is known as the FTD. It lists in detail all of the locations that the franchise has by state in total. It goes back three years. And it breaks it out into the ones that are open, the ones that have been sold and aren't open yet, the ones that have ceased operations, uh, the ones that have been transfer, transferred ownership. So the, the, the way that you can judge a franchise and how successful they are is really by the FDD. They have to update it every year and it's created by a lawyer. So as a general rule, the franchisors that have a lot of locations and I'll probably use Massage Envy as probably the, one of the biggest ones. Uh, they've got, you know, well over 1,500 locations, and they've been, you know, established for a long time. And that's one scenario. The other scenario uh, might be something like an F45 training, which is a Australian franchise that's got thousands of them overseas. They're primarily, they're all over Australia and, uh, and New Zealand, and they basically have no more territory. Their group training, you know, type of franchise video training for, uh, you know, the type of training that instead of it's more um, try to think of the type of training that they do. There's a word for it. Like a high intensity or something like that. Yeah, it's kind of like a high intensity training. Um, and uh, and they came into the U.S. So when they came into the U.S. and started out about three years ago, uh, they had already have a thousand. Of them. So they have it. Their systems are down. Pat, I mentioned earlier Signorama. They've got 600. They're the biggest fran signed franchise in the country. So, you know, those are three real good examples. Massage Envy, which is really a recovery type of franchise. Then you've got F45, which is more, like you said, a high intensity. And then you've got something like a sign-making franchise like Signorama. And those are probably the three biggest ones that we work with. And the oldest one we've worked with, actually Yogi Bear's Jellystone Park, Hey, 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 smarter than the average bear. Uh, <laughs> we've been doing their financing for years, and they're a 50-year-old franchise with 100 of them, and they've never had a failure. Wow. And so with as far as on your side, are you working with um, the franchise itself a lot of mm -hmm. times to kind of set up that financing in case they have someone come in that does ask for <laughs> financing options that they don't already have set up? That's what I do. That's correct. Awesome. I that up. I set up the SBA program, the financial projections, the business plans, and uh, leasing. I, I set up a, lease, a lot of leasing programs. So Signorama, for instance, has $150,000 worth of an equipment leasing for all the sign making equipment. Yogi Bears, Jellystone Parks has cabins that are, you know, $40,000, $50,000 each that they drop in. They may put in 10 of them or something. So we, we set up leasing programs for those different brands, the F45 
brand has about $150,000 equipment package of fitness equipment, signage, point of sale system. So we've set up packages for leasing because some people either do not qualify for SBA loans or they don't want to do an SBA loan and they just rather lease the equipment. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, no, I, th- I think this is really good stuff. Um, like I said, for our listeners out there, there's a lot of people that are in all different stages in their business. They might be looking to sell and get into a franchise or, you know, vice versa. And so, um, yeah, I think this is really good information, some good, uh, just some good background initial options that are available out there. Uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you, what's your website? Kind of where's a good place to find you? Uh, well, the website's businessfinancedepot.com. Depot is spelled like Home Depot, D-E-P-O-T.com. So businessfinancedepot.com has got a way you can kind of click and get in touch with me that way. Uh, you can always email me, Paul, at businessfinancedepot.com. Okay, awesome. And I'll include a link to the website within the show notes. So any listeners out there that want to easily find it, I'll include that in there. Um, other than that, Paul, I, I really appreciate you jumping on. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get this episode out. I think there's going to be some listeners that are uh, probably coming at a perfect time where they're in that stage where they're thinking about making that next step in their career, whatever, the, whatever that's buying another location, opening their first franchise, whatever it might be. Um, so I think this, this will come at a good time. So I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to jump on with us. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I'm excited to do it. Thanks for having me. Okay. Thanks, Paul. Now, one last thing before I go. We created a Facebook group called Building a Successful Law Firm to take what you learn here and dive even deeper. This Facebook group is a place where we share tons of value for free, and you also have the opportunity to bring up situations you are faced with and collaborate not only with our team, but with other firm owners as well. Simply go to Facebook and search for the Building a Successful Law Firm group. Again, it's building a successful law firm group. I'll see you in there. This has been another episode of the Law Firm Accounting and Tax Podcast from the team at Jetro. If you enjoy our weekly episodes, please leave a review on whatever platform you listen to us on and share with other law firm owners. If you have any questions or future topics you want to hear, email them to tax at jetrotax.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.